Welcome to the SBC History Podcast, the podcast that covers people, places, and events from the history of the Southern Baptist Convention. We tell stories about people you know and people you don't to shine light on the past so it can guide us in the present. How are you doing, Chris? I'm doing good, Luke. How are you doing, buddy? Uh, Doing good. Uh, We're getting ready for Christmas and all those types of things. And so are you a, do you listen to Christmas music? You know, no, I don't. (laughs) I'll be real honest with you. I don't. But I will say this. We had a big, uh, big group of uh, ladies up here at the church this week, decorating for Christmas, getting the sanctuary and the foyer all decorated and uh, yeah, starting to, starting to come together. So if I say the words Christmas and Baptist, what comes to mind? Uh, food. Uh, no, I'm okay. just kidding. Uh, <laughs> just kidding. Uh, well, everybody's favorite Christmas, Miss Lottie Moon. That's right. If you've ever been in a Baptist church around Christmas time, you've heard the name of Lottie Moon. Each year, Southern Baptists take up a missions offering in her name. 100% of the money goes directly overseas to support missionaries in their work across the globe. We've all heard of her, but uh, tell us a little bit about her, Chris. Well, uh, Charlotte Diggs Moon was born in Virginia in 1840 to a very wealthy Baptist family. She that's, ig- that's my favorite. That's my favorite kind of Baptist. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> Lord, send a few of those our way. Um, she earned the nickname Lottie uh, because uh, of her parents' wealth. She had access to schooling that others didn't have, right? She did attend, right. get this, several schools. Uh, she was proficient in Greek, Latin, Italian, French, and Spanish, taking up Hebrew as well. So by the time she finished school, John Broadus called her the most educated woman in the South. That's amazing. Isn't that crazy? So, yeah. yeah, she's up on me by about five languages. So. Uh. <laughs> All that education, but she still wasn't interested in Christianity at all. The a story goes that John Broadus, the Baptist theologian, was holding evangelistic meetings near her. She didn't want to go. She had no interest in it, but several of her friends prayed for her, specifically by name for her to go. So she decided one night that she would go just to make fun of what was happening. She would just go uh, hear this guy preach so she could talk about what a fool he is and guess what happened mm-hmm. she gets saved right december right. 20, december 21st 19 or 1858 excuse me 1858 but before you can jump into all that she did as a missionary because she did a lot right i don't want to miss right. this she was not a christian not just not a christian but had no interest in it so what did her friends do they prayed, right? They prayed specifically by name for Lottie to come to Christ. What I mean, how incredible is that? Uh, I still think as a pastor all the time, uh, we lack as a church the fervency of praying for people by name to come to Christ. I mean, hey, it's good yeah. to pray for livers and elbows and knees and things of that nature. Um, but in reality, we should be on our faces weeping for the lost souls of uh, the friends and family members among us. Anyways, that was free because she gave to the cooperative program. All right. So their friend, after they prayed and prayed and prayed by name, actually became Lottie Moon, like the Lottie Moon, right? One of the greatest missionary forces in all of Baptist life. And, and a matter of fact, not only just in Baptist life, but in Christian history. 
And you know, yeah. the coolest part about that is, is we never know what our prayers could do. You don't know amazing. that the next Lottie Moon could be sitting in your community, in your church body, um, in the middle school, at your school that you're in, whatever. Um, they could be sitting right there and you could be praying for them by name and asking Jesus to do something great in their life. He could be at a bar in town. He could be trolling people on Facebook. He could be doing whatever. But he's probably uh, not—he's probably not trolling anybody on Facebook. Probably I'm, not. I'm just kidding. <laughs> you never know. So her zeal for God grew, and her work for God did too. She worked as a teacher. She started a girls' school in Georgia. She gave money to the Foreign Mission Board, but all during that time, she never really thought about being a missionary herself. At that time, most people didn't think that God called women to do anything. Yeah. And uh, that's the way one person put it. And most pastors wouldn't even issue a missions call to women except by way of their husband. So what led her to think about being a missionary? Well, yeah. there was a new organization coming about that time, mm -hmm. the Women's Missionary Union, right? Mm -hmm. You've heard of that. I have heard of the WMU. Right, raising money for Baptist missions. These were local WMUs, not the national one we think of today. Oh, okay, mm -hmm. right. And so they were creating missions awareness. And at that time, the head of the Ford Mission Board, what we now call the IMB, Henry Allen Tupper, he began sending single women as missionaries overseas. Lottie Moon's sister, mm -hmm. Edmonia, that's a name for you, mm -hmm. went as an SBC missionary. She encouraged Lottie to come overseas to China too. She surrendered to missions along with a fellow teacher at her school. These two women women told their these other Christians that they were going to be missionaries to China. And mm -hmm. people said, why would you waste such excellent women on the uncaring? And that's awful. Yeah. But and yet that's probably things that we hear or some heaven forbid think in our churches today. Uh, but yeah. she didn't listen to them, right? She didn't listen to the naysayers. She left for China in September of 1873. And when she set sail for China, she was 32 years old. Uh, Lottie had turned down a marriage proposal from Crawford Toy, a uh, star student at Southern, and then became a star instructor. He later left the faith, though, became a Unitarian, and his, his story deserves its own podcast. But, but he and Lottie were close, good friends, but she ultimately chose the mission field over him, uh, and she left her family, she left her job, and, and she literally left everything to travel to China. And, you know, it, it took her many, many weeks to get there, but she finally made it, and uh, China became her home for the next 39 years years. Now, when she first got there, um, many people feared her and even rejected her. They called Westerners yeah. the foreign devils. So the story is told. Right, still the yeah, right. Um, for, uh, never mind, I won't get into that. So the story is told that uh, one day children gathered around her, calling her this uh, foreign devil, right? And she stood up to these kids and told them off. All four foot three of Little Lottie Moon, right? Within 30 minutes, the boys who had made fun of her were singing gospel songs. And she, she's just incredible. Yeah. She, she used all kinds of methods, right? Anything that she could uh, that to, to bring people to Jesus. She used the aroma of fresh-baked cookies, uh, drawing people to her house. She adopted uh, traditional Chinese dress. She she learned the language of uh, China and, and, and customs. She, she traveled all over. Uh, going one time to 44 villages in 11 days. Man, that's insane. Uh, man, and, and just incredible. And she came back to America to uh, tell her sister return home, but uh, she loved China, and she loved its people, 
and she worked very hard for them, um, and she prayed diligently for them. You know, uh, and I'm sure you know it had to be hard there, and it for sure yeah. in those days, right? 1877, there were eight missionaries who came after her to China. Three of them were dead. Three had breakdowns and left the field, and one resigned over doctrine. So they hear that eight missionaries, three plus yeah. three plus one, gone. That left one, right? And she just did everything wow. she could to beg people to to come. Yeah, I, let's stop and think for a minute about how hard it is to get the idea of missions across in that time. China would would have been nothing more than just a word to people. They never saw videos. They never watched a film strip. Mm-hmm. They never saw anything about it. It was just, it was just a word, a place on a map, maybe. But they had never seen videos. They never maybe saw a drawing in a book somewhere of a temple in China or something like that. Right. And, Maybe they saw a picture. They were still rare at that mm-hmm. time. But we take for granted all of those things. Yeah. It, it's fascinating to me because people weren't moved because they saw a video. Mm-hmm. There wasn't the mm-hmm. whatever that Sarah McLaughlin song is playing in the background, you know, <laughs> over that, and you feel bad, so you yeah. get out your wallet and give to missions uh-huh. and this and that, right? Yep. And they didn't go because they thought it would be cool to travel overseas. Right. The travel itself was dangerous mm-hmm. and long. Right? It took months yeah, they to travel. They weren't flying over in a in a first class jet plane. Right, right. They didn't go as tourists or anything like anything like that. And and to write a letter, it would take months to get back home, and then months to get there. And and they were moved to missions because they felt the call of God. I think that's great. We we try and motivate by guilt mm. by showing pictures of all these people and these mm-hmm. places and the poor, and the impoverished, and the lost, and these things, but they didn't have that then they had the the love of god to compel them to go and so it's not wrong to use those tools but we need to remember that that that's not what makes us go that that's not what that's not that's not what moves right, us right right, right. She, spirit of she, god she, yeah man right she begged for more people to come she asked one time wrote this why did why do 1 million southern baptists have one man and three women witnessing to 30 million souls, right? Wow. She wrote, a Christian should ask himself not if it is his duty to go to the heathen, but if he may dare stay at home. The command is so plain, go. Wow. It's like I uh, read a book recently um, by uh, Dr. Aiken, uh, and, yeah. and it, the question people ask on uh, uh, to love your neighbor as yourself, he says, too many people are asking the wrong question. They're they're asking who who's my neighbor, and he says the right question right. is whose neighbor am I, right? And so it's the same right. with deal. Like listening to her hear that, hearing that quote, right? Um, it's not our duty to go, um, but it, but it's like we're asking the wrong question. Why should I stay at home? You know, it's just right. incredible. So she um, in eighteen eighty five uh, moved to uh, Pingtu, which was the twelfth largest city in the world. And listen to this, no missionary had ever been to esta- had ever been able sorry, to establish a work there. Could you imagine that? Like yeah. no mission work, right? And the US well, consul opposed women going because of the danger, right? And think about think about the twelve largest cities in the world today. Yeah. Baptists have people in all, all of them, multiple uh, people yeah, in all of yeah. them. Yeah. Insane. But but there and were there were thirty million people in China. You know, the world population was 
much smaller than of course but they had no presence there she felt compelled she had to go yeah i think it's awesome and it's so it's so great because i'm sure you know after all these people telling her don't go don't go don't go right what she do yes she goes right she she moved yeah. and she went there why because there were people there simply who just needed jesus and she went where yeah. people needed jesus she trusted the lord right and and god came through um, there were multiple converts made, baptized, churches being formed, and people being trained and sent out, right? It's incre- it right. incredible. Now, um, one man named Li Shoting, who became the greatest evangelist of northern China and is said to have baptized 10,000 people. Man, 10,000, right? Uh, why? That's because she went there even when they told her not to go. Isn't that incre- isn't that, that's just incredible. Incredible. It's amazing. I'm getting fired mm-hmm. up. But there was still a need for more workers. She wrote home again asking for help. I, you know, again, letters. She wrote home. Imagine that. You have a problem and you don't know what to do, and so you're writing someone for help about it. It would take months uh, yeah. for it to travel home. And then they write back, and it'd take months for the word to get yeah. back. If you had a problem, you solved it by yourself. Yeah, yeah. There was no asking anybody mm-hmm. else for help or doing any of those things. Mm-hmm. Even within your own country. We just have no concept for what it was like to live that way. And that kind of, it it, it, had, it had to have been, you know, as pastors, we feel lonely and things I sometimes. Mean, it must have been just crippling isolation. Man, I can't even imagine. To be there by yourself, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So in that- one letter, September 15th, 1887, she suggests Southern Baptists set aside a week of prayer for missions, take up an offering at the end of the week because, uh, at the end of Christmas, she said, to do this in December, because Christmas is the most, she said, quote, the most appropriate time to consecrate a portion from abounding riches and scant poverty to send forth the good tidings of great joy to all the earth. Man, that's awesome. <laughs> we know that now, of course, is a Lottie Moon Christmas offering. 100% of the money given goes overseas to help missionaries who still need the help today, right? Mm-hmm. So she pitches this idea. The newly formed WMU of the SBC took up her idea. They raised money during the year, and through that offering, they sent three women to help her in 1888. This is what she told them. Please say to the new missionaries that they are coming to a life of hardship, responsibility, and constant self-denial. Man, what great self-awareness, man. That's that's incredible. Uh, When I was was at Oklahoma State uh, at the uh, BCM, we were— going through a bunch of old photos and pictures and stuff, and no, we didn't find any Lottie Moon pictures. But what we did find was in the 70s, uh, there was uh, at the BCM there at OK State, they had, uh, they called them functions, you know, because Baptists don't dance. But they right. had functions where uh, you, uh, um, they would, missions offering functions. In other words, you paid money to attend, right? It's like you paid to get in, like a formal type deal, and they right. would have a, a function, right? Um, air quotes, function. But they had them around um, Annie Armstrong and Lottie Moon, right? And so the best part, though, of all of it was, and I'm sure poor Lottie would would uh, turn over. But the uh, the the slogans were, uh, "Come, uh, let's see, let's see, come shake your body for Lottie," <laughs> and then for Annie it was "Come move your fanny for Annie." And so that was the slogan no. that they used, and they would raise all this money, like to to, to help. No, that's a I know, right? I know. I, I've often wondered if we hashtag did that at church. Shake your body would, for a lot. Would uh, would jump in on that deal? I'm I'm not real sure. Hey, listen, jury's out. Um, 
It's just crazy, though. Wild to even think yeah. about. Um, so convicting. Extremely convicting about what you know she did and how God moved in uh, uh, in her life. And and to be honest with you, we probably in one small podcast cannot even imagine or even come close to covering all of her life yeah. and writings, right? Uh, because you know we're pressed for a short amount of time. But uh, but there is a story that I want to tell that she was dressed like a, a male Chinese official so that she could sneak into this very dangerous place so she could visit persecuted Christians, right? Or, or yeah, the time that she told people who were going to destroy a church that they would have to destroy her first, right? And so, so if you're going to tear that church down, you got to tear me down too. And she was fiery. Yeah. She was bold and maybe a little bit crazy, uh, but she did right. great things for the Lord, right? Sure. Uh, and so when she came back home, um, uh, again, she was 63. She was in very poor health. Uh, people begged her not to go back to China, but guess what she did? She went back, right? In 1910, yeah. almost 40 years after she'd got there, she went to a meeting of Chinese churches and saw second and third generation believers. In the city where they told her not to go, they were baptizing upwards of 250 people a year. And so she went, even when people said, yep, don't go, she went. And because of that, they were seeing massive growth in amounts of people coming to Jesus, souls being changed. It was, it was still hard work. Oh gosh, I can only she, imagine. She, she was lonely. Mm -hmm. The work was difficult. Mm -hmm. A great famine came to China. Again, she wrote for help. She was willing to give anything. She did. She, she said again, "quote Hardly did I ever know of a famine that did not claim." among its victims, missionaries. That's that's crazy, talking about missionaries who who, who give their life to help other yeah. people. So she pleaded for more funds from Southern Baptist. She received word the Foreign Mission Board was in debt and could send nothing, right? You wonder why we're so hard about raising money or why we're so much on the cooperative program because the cooperative program didn't exist. No. The yeah. Foreign Mission Board was in mm -hmm. debt. If she needed money, there was a famine, and we could do anything about it, but because we couldn't raise enough money. So she gave and gave and gave from her own funds until she had absolutely nothing left. Man, that's crazy. And you know, she was struggling physically. I mean, she wasn't in great health, um, just age, those sorts of things. She, uh, she asked another missionary, uh, Dr. Adams, uh, to come and to help her write her will, right? And so when, uh, when, when Dr. Adams comes when he gets there he, he found the lottie a woman who weighed around 50 pounds and was extremely frail could you imagine four foot three right 50 pounds just right. tiny and he was wondering how she had deteriorated physically so quickly well, what he found out what he learned was that lottie had made a conscious decision not to eat so her impoverished chinese neighbors could be fed instead she was going without food so that those around her who needed it could eat man it, it, unbelievable sacrifice that this woman made. Now it's common. And I think, yeah, and, and I think I'm special because I go last in line at the buffet. Yeah, yeah, just unreal, man. I mean, you know, like, here's a woman who literally gave up her life. I mean, it, it's, yeah. it's, I mean, the, commonly known and told that she starved to death, right? I mean, she basically did. Right. And here we are, you know, mad on Sundays after church when our fried chicken's not warm enough or doesn't get out there fast enough, right? And here's this woman who, you know, we're not being, like, we had people that 
that are serving us and we're leaving them a dollar fifty tip you know we walk out of the restaurant saying things like well they shouldn't be in public service because you know i'm just helping them understand you know it's like man you don't you don't know what's going on in their life and we are believers and we're not setting a very good example as christians and here's this woman who literally gave up everything food nourishment so that people around her who did not know jesus could have something to eat man she was so sick um, her, her friends put her back on a boat to America, um, and uh, she didn't make it. She died on a ship near Japan on Christmas Eve. Um, and uh, one woman who said, "If if I had a thousand lives, I would give them all to China." Had given all that she had. What an incredible statement she made! Right? Yeah. If she had a thousand lives, she would give them all to China. I just and there she had given everything she had to China and her remains super cool were sent back. I'm not super cool, but the fact that her remains were sent back um, right. to the foreign mission board were in a small Brown package. Here's what's, what's, what's crazy. I, I think not cool about the remains obviously, but that the wherewithal um, for uh, her basically like, um, Oh, if you, you know, Oh, what's the, an urn, you know, if you will, whatever, but right. just the remembrance of uh, who she was, what she had done, and what she meant to um, to everybody, um, and all those believers in China, and to the Foreign Mission Board. If if I had a thousand lives, I mean, surely I could take one where I was just extravagantly wealthy or something, mm-hmm. or or stunningly beautiful mm-hmm. or something, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, a thousand. I mean, what's a matter if I take one, I'll still give to missions or whatever. But if she had a thousand yeah. lives, she would do that all over. It's awesome. it's an incredible story. The year that she died, almost twenty five hundred people were baptized in China. Oh, China. Man, now, that's awesome. She said there were thirty million people in China. Mm-hmm. If you, the thing is, they needed more workers. She knew that even twenty five hundred mm-hmm. people. If you baptize twenty five hundred people a year, it would take you. About twelve thousand mm-hmm. years to baptize thirty million people, right? Mm-hmm. If my math is right, don't hold yeah, me. I'm not that, good at math. But a long time, right? That's a long because time. we need yeah. more workers, and the need in the world mm-hmm. is so great still today. So we hear the story. What do we do? Will you give to the Christmas offering? If you, if your church doesn't do this, ask your pastor about it. Just bug him until he does it. Pastors love that. Or uh, if you don't know, you can give directly to the IMB. Right through the website, read her letters. Go to the IMB archives. They have many of her writings available online. I'll, I'll share that link in the notes. Share uh, the story with your church. Uh, there's a link to a presentation also there by David Platt. I took a lot of this info from there. Show it in your church. I prepare to cry though. It always gets a little dusty around me when David Platt preaches. I don't know mm-hmm. why. And uh, and and maybe God wants you to go too. For sure, God wants you to give. And God wants you to go to to give part of yourself, right? So here's how Platt closes this presentation on her life. He says, this is a collective effort, and it is going to take all of us playing our part, every church working together for the spread of the gospel to every nation. We must not settle for anything less than that in the Southern Baptist wow. Convention. Mm-hmm. And that's it. Mm-hmm. That's it, man. I, I love that. I love that story of hers and how much it inspires us to go. And and uh, like we always say, I hope this encourages you to read more more about it. There are uh, 
multiple biographies written about her life. Lots of people have done it. There's books for kids you can give to them on a kid level. There's scholar level articles and journals and all these types of things. Anything you want to read on her, you can find it from Southern Baptist Life, and I know you will be encouraged by it. Yeah, you know, she's more than just a name on an envelope at Christmas time. Yeah. Um, and yeah. what she did, really, she has done more or as much or more for um, foreign missions than anybody else. Um, a very yeah. tiny, frail um, lady did so much yeah. work for the kingdom. Just incredible. That's it, man. Well, that's all we got for today. I hope you're encouraged by that. You take time to read through that, find some more information, and uh, give to the Lonely Moon Christmas Office. Absolutely. Uh, you can uh, find us online, sbchistory.com. Follow us on Twitter. Throughout December, I'll be sharing lots of quotes from her. They'll be incredibly convicting, so don't follow if you don't want to be convicted. Uh, but uh, that means you should. Exactly. But then uh, mm-hmm. uh, all those... All, all of those ways, right? Mm-hmm. Share this podcast with your friends, your pastor, whoever you can, to tell them more about it so we can all yeah. be encouraged hey, by her. Go in and uh, leave us a review if you get a chance. I'm not afraid to ask for it, so uh, shameless plug here. If you uh, like what we're doing, want to hear more, or maybe you can have suggest- some suggestions on what you'd like to hear on from uh, SBC History Podcast, just let us know, and uh, we'll see if we can work it in. All right, man. We'll all see right, you next we'll see week. You later.